You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm Phil McBride, and today I'm joined by Dave Prentice, Adam Jones, and Gav Buckland as we chew the fat over all the major talking points at Goodison Park. The international break is behind us, and we return to action Monday night, eight o'clock, under the lights, the visit of Burnley. So we will discuss that game. That's where we will start. But of course, Friday has been a press conference, so we'll reflect on what Rafa Benitez had to say for himself at Finch Farm earlier. And all manner of topics to come from that. James, of course, at the centre of, of many of the questions, FFP, uh, loads of different strands that we can get our teeth stuck into. And of course, we will finish with predictions at the end. Um, but let's start with Burnley this this week, this pod. We're back in action, Preno. Um, why will Monday night be different to the last time Burnley came to Goodison in March and um, when they went away with three points? What will be different from the way Rafa approaches this game to how Carlo approached this game? I think there's been a change of mindset already, hasn't there? I mean, um, Rafa spoke in the, the summer about wanting to change the squad's mentality. And uh, he certainly hinted again at this press conference today as to why Hamas hasn't been uh, involved this season. I know he's claiming it's because he's isolating because of COVID issues, but you get the impression there's a, a backstory at work here as well. And he wants to see intensity. He wants to see, you know, so intensity in training sessions and in matches. And, you know, so when Hammers produces that, I think maybe we'll start to see him introduce, you know, some more in games, uh, which is why I think and why I hope that Monday night will be different uh, because we'll see a bit more directness uh, from his team. We'll see the ball pinged into the box, you know, so more frequently than we would have done maybe at the tail end of the Carlo era. And uh, we'll see an Emerson team, you know, so pressing with intensity and with urgency. Hopefully that'll be enough to get the results because, you know, despite their results this season, Burnley haven't been pushovers. I know they've only um, got the one point, is it? But, you know, lost a couple of games already. But they've all been close games, you know, so as is generally the case with Burnley. So it will need a performance of, uh, of intensity, of physicality, obviously. Uh, but I think we'll see that. And uh, so, yeah, I think it will be different than the one we saw uh, in March last well, March this year, I certainly hope we do. Anyway, yeah, it fe- it feels like uh, many years ago, doesn't it? But, uh, but Gav, as promised, I said I would um, dig out some of these uh, the essential stats from that game. Obviously, we got beat two one. We had sixty six percent of possession. We had yeah. fourteen shots, but only four were on target. But what was interesting for me was, and try to reflect on the game, Burnley also had fourteen attempts and five on target. So this wasn't just some sort of Burnley sitting in and soaking up the pressure and, and you know smashing grab. They had as many attempts on goal as we did, more on target. Yeah, that was sort of typical of the games of Goodison at the end of last season, wasn't it? Really sitting too deep uh, for the start, and not not protecting our back four sufficiently. I think shape of the team was wrong. Um, the other thing I'd say difference this Monday. There's crowds, obviously, having 40,000 there compared to zero in March, I think. So, 
Yeah, I, I, I remember that game. It's, it's part of that horrible sequence where we, I'm not sure what our lineup is. That one of the games where we end up playing two fullbacks in the in the middle of I'll, the, you know, like in the mid, middle of middle four in midfield. You know, it's just I'll, yeah. I'll tell I'll tell you the eleven then, Gav, as you asked. Pickford yeah. in goal, back four, right to left, Holgate, Keane, Godfrey, Luca Dean. So that was pretty standard yeah. for at least half the season. Midfield four looked like they were, we were playing a diamond that day. Alan Davis, Andre Gomez, and Iwobi. Because if you remember, that was a game where Iwobi got his opportunities in number 10, <laughs> having yeah, gone yeah, on yeah. social media and told, you know, thinly veiled message to Carlo. Richarlison, Calvert Lewin up front, uh, off the bench. Well, Pickford got injured. So, Jao Virginia came on before half time. Coleman came on for Holgate later on. And uh, Josh King uh, got the final half an hour for Davis. Um, so, yeah. yeah, I mean, go on. We were a bit, bit open with Amy, I think. Was it McNeil scored in the, the second half where he had, like, picked up first the First half, sadly. Yeah. First half, was it, yeah. You know, he was basically had the freedom of Goodison, didn't he, outside our box to move forward and just stick it in. It was typical of the games at the tail end of last, last season, just didn't set the back four enough. Um, and I say it will be. I think he got the Sheffield Duke out. Was a half time ish or something like that. Um, I think actually, remarkably, despite it being yeah. a, one of Iwobi's particularly poor games, he stayed on for the full ninety. I think he yeah, just uh, he switched it around, didn't he, Carlo? Yeah. I think he in a half time. Um, yeah, so lots of difference. Well, Iwobi is one of the big differences, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Looking at Iwobi over his three or four games this season, to his that's probably is. You know, the, the lowest he's reached in his Everton career, even perhaps that that opening half because of what he'd said beforehand, looks a completely different player. I mean, I've mentioned Gomez looking, you know, slimmer and fitter this year. Um, we pointed out this week that he reckons a Bobby looks as if he's lost half a stone as well. Um, so he's another difference, isn't he? Hopefully for, for Monday, if he, even if he gets on the pitch, of course. Uh, yeah, so it's a different. Completely different fixture. I, I just think the crowds on that make a big difference. What I've seen this season, Phil, compared to yeah. compared to last year. I mean, I mean, Ad, you know, th- there will be some differences to the team. But you know, j- just reflecting on that eleven that played against Burnley in March, there won't be sweeping changes. You know, maybe a few tweaks in midfield, but largely it will be you know maybe seventy percent the same eleven. But are you expecting a completely different performance? I think it's got to be a completely different performance, really, hasn't it? You, Everton have got to try and show that you know, commitment and desire that they have shown previously under Rafa Benitez so far this season, not least in that only other home game that we've had against Southampton. Obviously, we wouldn't want the adversity of going behind again uh, this weekend. Well, on Monday, sorry. But, uh, you know, the way they decide fought back in that game and yeah, it felt like a real Goodison atmosphere again in the second half of that Southampton game, didn't it? So in terms of trying to keep that momentum going, first game under the lights at Goodison Park with a full stadium since pff, I don't even know when, to be honest. <laughs> to be honest, like that's that's going way back, isn't it? Like well over well over two years since perhaps that since we since we've had that really. So it's gonna be I'm really looking forward to to hearing that Goodison atmosphere again for, on you know for a Monday night football. And you know it, it's it is just kind of the the sort of attitude that Rafa Benitez has managed to instill in this squad, hasn't it? You know, the, this sense of hard work and desire mixed with the quality that we we all know that this squad should have and they perhaps haven't shown 
as consistently enough, especially under Carlo Ancelotti. So if 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 we can keep keep producing that, you know, Rafa Benitez was talking about that quite a lot in his press conference today, wasn't he? That he knows the players know what he wants from them. He knows, you know, that the fans want the exact same from them. So if those players can go out and give that, you know, hundred percent commitment and desire, you know, they've got the quality to be able to beat Burnley. You know, even even on even on Burnley's best day, you know, we should have the quality to be able to beat Burnley. So fingers crossed, this will be a very different game than what we saw last time out against them. Um, just on that, then, just for a little bit of uh, bit of fun, can anybody quant- anybody guess in the last home game under the lights at Goodison with a full set of fans? Anybody? Come on, anybody uh, hazard a guess? I, I think it was at the Newcastle game where we were in. Ah, oh, Gav. Is it actually? Bra- oh, Bra- oh, no. Bravo. 2-0 up. Oh. Two goals in the final minute or whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. One, night Moise, one night where Moyes Keane looked the player. He did oh, indeed. He, did, he played very well. Yeah. Yeah. I'll say that when Adam mentions it was the first time for a long time, I just went through my head about what what games took place in February 2020. And, and who could forget the Newcastle game at home? That's right, oh, he's the captain. Yeah. Indeed, indeed. Uh, it, was actually, it was actually January the 21st. Wow, yeah. incredible. Yeah. Incredible. Anyway, okay, back to back to Burnley, Preno. Um, obviously, well documented um, early in the summer. Rafa was very interested in uh, Dwight McNeil. Um, yeah. As he's clarified today's press conference and as, as we've reported earlier as well, um, he believed there, was, there would be funds available through player sales to... to to uh, to fund the move for McNeil earlier in the window, but things unravelled and FFP ultimately put the kibosh on a move. Um, would he be a player you would have been happy to see come to Goodison? Is he a player maybe next summer you would be happy for for Rafa to go after again? Oh, absolutely. Um, I have to be totally honest and say that you know I didn't know a huge amount about the player uh, prior to Everton's interest in him. Uh, just the fact that he was he was bright, he was young, you know, he made a good impression. Uh, at Burnley, but obviously, you know, since Everton made their interest known, I've watched him a lot more closely. Uh, he was outstanding at Anfield earlier this season. He was very, very bright against Leeds. He looks to have all the qualities that, um, you know, that Rafa wants in his squad in terms of pace, directness, um, ability to deliver, deliver a really good ball into the box, and he's got goals in him as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I understand why Burnley value him as highly as they do. And why Rafa would want to bring him in. I mean, obviously, he plays in a position of the pitch that he has already uh, brought in, you know, sort of reinforcements. But you can't, you know, so you can't have too much in the way of quality in your squad. And he does have quality. And with him being so young as well, you've got the, you know, belief that he's going to improve all the time. And whenever you talk about, you know, bringing in wide players from Burnley, uh, you always think back <laughs> historically. And, you know, Trevor Stephen was a very, very similar. Uh, you know, sort of situation, and you know, we spent an awful lot of money on him at the time. And he was only was he 19, was he, Gavin, when we bought him? And um, yeah, it took uh, a long time to settle, to be fair. It took like a good, you know, six months before we actually started to see the best of him, but then obviously became, you know, an absolute club legend. Um, and you just think that McNeil is like similar age, you know, sort of same type of player. And you know, you just romantically you think, you know, so could this guy, you know, so sort of kick on and got to sign him first, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, so I certainly do like him a lot. And yeah, you know, so I can understand why Rafa was so keen to try and bring him in, and also why he's so irritated at the uh, the financial fair play regulations. What was the phrase he used in the press conference? Uh, has killed us this summer. 
Um, I mean, the fact that he's able to bring in you know the players that he has done speaks volumes for the work that he's done. Uh, given the restrictions he's had to endure, but clearly he's very frustrated. You know, so clearly he wanted to bring in a bit more quality. You know, so than he's already got. And apart from those frustrate uh, those financial fair play restrictions, he would have done. And he also hinted that you know, so he's hoping that in January those uh, frustrations will be a little bit more in the distance and he'll be able to bring a bit more in. So could be a lively January transfer window, uh, which hasn't always been the case in recent years. Indeed. Um, Gav, you, you know, before we before we hit the button and started recording today, you mentioned FFP and you know, and said, God, Rafa, Rafa mentioned oh, it a yeah. few times, didn't he? I think it was the buzzword. I mean, just following on there from, from what Preno was saying, did you sense a frustration or was that Rafa just wanted to make people fully aware in case anybody was under any illusion, you know, his hands were ultimately tied and look, we're doing we're doing yeah. well considering. Hey, well, it's well, well, where to mind, isn't everybody? I mean, his hands are tied. How we've got there, we've documented many times before. Uh, where to mind and the board probably as well, um, and supporters. Um, but yeah, it, we spoke about it, didn't we, after the transfer window? Uh, you know, the, the accumulated losses over several years, of course, up with us. Um, so, I mean, I'm assuming that Rafa knew about sort of, you know, knew all about this before he took the job. So I don't think he, it's, it's new to him, is it? You know, uh, I was interested to see what he said about January. He must be planning on trying to offload a few players in January because obviously uh, we can't do anything until players offload. You get the impression he was banking on um, Hammers going and freeing up freeing up money there for the start. I mean, there was obviously rumours of two or three other players were up for sale, you know, um, Gomez being one of them, I think. So I think he was, he was banking on maybe two or three players going as well as, you know, obviously Keane's gone. So, yeah, um, I can see the frustration there not being able to get rid of people, to be honest with you. But as we said before, several times on the pod, post-COVID, got players on big money, very difficult to get rid of them um, mm. and transfer them out because they're not going to get Everton wages elsewhere in a, in a post-COVID world. And that, that's still, that's that's what's really hampering them, isn't it? It's not the rules itself, because you can operate within the rules as other clubs do. What's hampering Benitez is the fact that you've got players on big money who are not in the first team who he'd like to, you know, like to sell to bring them players in, you know, to to players in this style. I mean, I mentioned three or four players of the week, didn't I? It probably cost us fifty million pounds a year in wages and transfer fees. Who are probably not getting a game at the moment. Um, yeah, so, so there's that's what it's not the rules that are hampering them. It's the way the post-COVID world has changed the transfer market and the market for players, that's that's what's that's what really is damaging to him and, and several other clubs. To be fair, yeah, <clears throat> absolutely. But we were, of course, I think the lowest spenders, weren't we, for the first time in 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 a, in a long while. Um, I'd just going back to McNeil. I mean, is he a player that you think that that Rafa and the club should look to uh, look to pursue again, probably next summer? Do you like him? Do you think he adds something, or, or, or what what are your thoughts on McNeil? I think he certainly adds something, doesn't he? I think you know he's got he's got a lot of good qualities about him, which I, th- I think really do fit into Rafa Benitez's sort of style that he wants to bring into Everton. You know, especially his you know c- pretty consistent delivery into the box. It's, it's obviously a big part of Burnley's game, isn't it? With two you know, big strikers, more often than not, up the top end of the pitch. You know, him getting service to them is absolutely crucial, really, for the way. The Burnley play, and you can see how that would fit into Rafa Benitez's early 
style that he's tried to bring into Everton, you know, especially if we've got somebody like Dominic Calvert-Lewin inside the box, somebody with the quality of Dwight McNeil putting crosses into the box, let's say both him and Luca Dean are put, playing down the left-hand flank. That You know, that's, that's, a, that's a pretty ominous, ominous uh, sign for any sort of Premier League defence to try and deal with. I think personally, I'd probably be looking to get, well, for a start, I'd be looking to get a winger a little bit cheaper because I think the price that Burnley are going to want for him, you know, obviously he's still a, a young player, isn't he? And he's so crucial to their, the way that they play that they're probably going to want 40, 50 million for him. And I just don't think, you know, in the current market, you know, as Gav is saying, in the current market, I just don't think that's really worth it for Everton. I think it's right that Burnley would be uh, asking for that amount, of course, because that's what he's worth to them. But I just don't think he's similarly worth that to Everton. And plus, I, guess, I do think... No, go oh, sorry, I just wanted to say, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because next summer, McNeil enters the final two years of his contract. And mm. I think it was I think it was Silver who, who, who sort of used the phrase um, when he was at the club, sort of saying, it, that's when it, things become like dangerous. That's when the club needs to make a decision. And you could, uh, you know, look, you can imagine McNeil saying, well, look, I'm 22 now. You know, Burnley have got a ceiling. I'm getting interest from Everton, X, Y, and Z. Let's make a decision. But then Burnley, I guess, I guess, don't want to price themselves out of making a you know a good amount of money on him, and then potentially losing him for less. You know, twelve months later, or even on a free. It's, it's, I just think that there's, something could come to a head next summer, whether it involves us or not. But but given the, his contractual situation, no, I think it, I think it's a really good point, and it, you know, that's probably the biggest reason why you could see Burnley perhaps dropping their price by you know like. 10, 10 million or so, something like that. If we were to get them for 30, 35 million, I think that probably would look a little bit more favourable to us. I just think on a personal level, I'd prefer Everton to be looking for somebody with you know a bit more pace to get to get down the line. I've really liked how Damari Gray's come into the side and he's using his pace to, you know, break the lines, really put defenders in positions that they just don't want to be in. And he's still got some great crossing ability on him as well, to be honest. So I'd maybe prefer Everton to look for a player with those sorts of qualities rather than McNeil's qualities. If that but that I think again, I think that's that's a personal preference for me rather than anything else. I mean, obviously Dwight McNeil is a really, really good young player. And if we were to, you know, chase him next summer, I'm not exactly going to be disappointed with that. I think he certainly adds quality to a, a position that, you know, it might not be a priority anymore, considering other areas in the squad. But I do think it's still a position that we do need to be looking at strengthening and I do think McNeil does do that at the end of the day so if if a situation as as you described it before does come up next summer I wouldn't exactly wouldn't exactly be disappointed at that to be honest and hmm. um, one of the players that Rafa did manage to get in despite of course uh, FFP issues was Salomon Rondon on a free transfer coming in from uh, from China Dalian Pro of course um, you wrote a piece about him on deadline day um, spoke to him this week really bubbly you know jovial you know full of life type of character and and the one line that stood out to me in, uh, in the time that I spoke to him was he talked about fighting with defenders and he stopped and said and to be honest with you I love to fight with um, with, with the defenders and I just thought you're going to fit right in here mate Goodison, Goodison is going to love you mate I just you know yeah he's going to become a cult hero isn't he already you can you can just sense it uh, the way he, he you know, puts himself out there, you know, the things he says, um, and it's all, it, well, 
it appears sincere. It's not like any of it's like calculated to try and win the fans over. You get the impression that he is, you know, sort of this kind of personality. And uh, I, I loved the other lines in that chat that you had with him uh, the other day, which was published this morning. Uh, Duncan introducing him to the other uh, squad members as being a, a Premier League record breaker, along with myself, because uh, obviously he scored a hat-trick of headers, which I think there's only him and Duncan and maybe one other that have done that. Um, but just the fact that he's willing to put 100%, you know, so into every training session, into every game, and he's done that, you know, wherever he's been, might not be the greatest quality, you know, so in, in terms of, you know, so it's all-round play. Uh, and he's, not, he's certainly not going to run away from defenders, uh, but he's not, you know, being brought in to do that. He's been brought in to hold the ball up, uh, to give an aerial presence in the box, to take advantage of these crosses that Rafa is quite keen to get into the box as directly as possible, and to fight with defenders. And uh, you know, you've seen, you know, some of the, uh, the the games he's played, you know, so in his Premier League career already. I mean, he's one of the few players that's given Virgil Van Dijk, you know, so you know, so an uncomfortable afternoon just purely with his physicality. He scored a cracking goal at Anfield, didn't he? Was it down the cop end in that in that game? Um, so you know, you know, he's, he puts himself about there, and the fans love that. If they see an Everson centre forward willing to give absolutely everything, they'll forgive you uh, deficiencies elsewhere in your game. Witness Dennis Strachwellersi of, of recent vintage. Who, let's face it, you know, so it was a very, very mediocre you know, centre forward. But because he had such enthusiasm and such will to win and such never say die spirit, the fans took to him. You know, so they could see that he was trying to give everything. And you get the impression that Rondon's going to be, you know, so similar, similar kind of player, maybe with a little bit more about him. Uh, so yeah, another very, very you know, canny signing uh, by Benitez. And, you know, if Dominic Harvard-Lewin is still suffering with this, like, this toe problem that he's had over the last few weeks, it gives the opportunity to maybe bring him up half an hour from the end, you know, so bring somebody else on and give, you know, a defence something a bit different to think about. So, yeah, I'm quite looking forward to seeing me in action in a, in, a, in a blue shirt. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Gav, uh, thoughts and feelings on on Rondon? Do you think he's going to... uh going to be a good addition over the two, maybe three years. He's got an option, hasn't he? Certainly in, the, in, the, in this season. Absolutely. Always like to me. It's not so long ago Man United were linked with him, wasn't it? Is, it, is that right? Ago? Wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, and David Boyce yeah, was manager. <laughs> <laughs> oh, was, that, was, was that in that window, was that in that window, Gav, when they, I think they ended up getting Nagalo? Was that that window yeah, when they were yeah, trying? I think it, yeah, yeah, yeah. He obviously wanted the social media hits. Oh, by the way, if you want a bit of so a bit of stats, second time in the pod, two uh, two fastest hat tricks ahead us in top flight history: Rondon, West Brom, and I don't know as you well know, Dixie Dean in Chelsea <laughs> in 1931. Wow, yeah. Rondon was 13 minutes, wasn't he? What was what was yeah, Dixie? D, D, D was 10. Wow. Yeah. Two, yeah, of course. There's a great, there's a great photo opportunity there, isn't there? Goodison when he's there, get, get next, next to the statue. statue. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, yeah no, I've completely lost chain of thoughts and I'm done now. After that. Uh, yeah. No, seriously, I, I like him, and you know, it's no struggle, isn't it? I think Benitez mentioned this as a press conference today. 
is the signings that he's brought in are by and large what, you, what I would say good pros who are good in the dressing room. You know, um, Begovic is Townsend, you've seen that already in space, having it on and off the pitch, like that has been superb. I think, you know, in, in the way he's spoken about things. Um, and yeah, Townsend's spoken I, really well, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. And he's obviously good in the dressing room. And Rondon obviously appears to be a bubbly, bubbly character. But, you know, he, I think it's 35 goals in 140 Premier League games, one in four. Okay, de- decent. But he does a lot more than score goals, doesn't he? And I'm, I'm just wondering whether it may give us another option if there's injuries. You could play Calvert Lewin or Andron up front. And if you know, if you play with Charles and Wilder, couldn't you on occasions if you had shortages? Um, but I, I'm really looking forward to seeing Rondon. I say he's a, he's a classic, classic yeah. Everton number nine, isn't he? Uh, I could Calvert Lewin. You always get the impression is is, is a constructed centre forward. Um, but you get the impression that Rondon is is the classic archetypal on and off the pitch Everton number nine, isn't he? And, and I can see uh, fans uh, fans taken to him, uh, to be honest with you. And, and it'd be good to see him roughing up a few uh, opposition defences. We've not DCL's done that on occasions, but I'm really looking forward to seeing Rondon. I, I think he's another one. I think he might get more game time. What you think? You know. Mm, interesting. Well, that, yeah, yeah. That, that, that brings me on then, Adam. Two questions. Can you see a situation where Rafa plays both Dominic and Rondon, as it, almost in a front two? Mm-hmm. And and secondly, what do you think Calvert-Lewin can learn from Rondon? Um, well, I think Calvert-Lewin's probably at the stage of his career where he can still learn quite a lot, isn't he? You know, he's only he's only twenty four, still getting to grips. I would say with leading the line by himself. So I think, you know, the the fact that Rondon is saying to him, saying to you, well, I, I love to I love to fight with defenders. I think, you know, Calvert-Lewin's been good at that for us. And I think potentially is where a holding up the ball is perhaps one of the most underrated bits of his game. I think that's really come on leaps and bounds over the last couple of years. Obviously he's a he's a big physical specimen now as well, isn't he? You can see he's certainly worked on that over the last couple of years as well. Uh, but you know the fact that he can you know now be able to use that size and stature, I think that's something that Rondon can can you know perhaps teach Calvert Lewin you know the the smaller intricacies of you know just wind, winding up the centre backs that you that you're playing against. To be honest, essentially, hey, you know, Dom Dom has got winding up the Leeds fans to a T. By the way, just to make that <laughs> yeah. I mean. If you can just turn that onto onto like Premier League centre backs now, you you know whenever a cross is coming into the box, giving them a little nudge, even if he's not getting anywhere near it, you know, like stuff like that that you learn over the years as a as a Premier League striker. I think Rondon's going to have stuff like that in spades, isn't he? So, yeah, I, I can see Calvert Lewin certainly learning something like that from him. In terms of playing them both together up front, I don't see why not because I, I do think there are some matches that you know, might. My call for it. We we really need to have that physical presence up front. You know, it, it, I don't think, I don't, I don't think I'd be necessarily opposed to it. Uh, to be honest, I don't think it'd be me. It'd be me starting choice. To be honest, I think I'd, pro- I'd prefer to have somebody like Richarlison up there with him, or you know, well, James Rodriguez. Now that he's actually stayed at the club, you know, so to have somebody like that around him, I think that might uh, get the best out of Calvert Lewin in terms of creating chances for him. But if we if we are just gonna like go into a game and you know 
not sure what opponent we'd need it for, but you know, maybe maybe against Burnley, to be honest. If we just need to have an absolute battering ram up front, essentially, of just two big lads, big units to really cause a ruckus in, in, in the middle of a penalty box, I wouldn't be opposed to using it because at the end of the day, that's what that's what he's here for, isn't it? <laughs> to to really cause those kind of issues. So if we can if we can have both of them doing it at the same time in a match, then fair enough. Why not? I, I'd, just, I'd be all for it. I'm just immediately thinking, when do we play City? Let's just let's just get it in the box. Prano, <laughs> <laughs> um, just a quick one before we come to Hammers, and I'll stick with you for for both of these points. Secondly, on Hammers, but the first one. Um, Rafa confirming in his press conference that there was very, very late and ultimately fleeting interest in Donny van der Beek at Manchester United. If, as you would imagine, given his his, his recent history since moving to Old Trafford, um, van der Beek doesn't get much game time between now and January, is he somebody you think we should look look again for and see if, if it's something we can do this time? I was a little bit surprised when I heard that one because that that doesn't fit the you know sort of the intensity directness um, model that you know sort of Rafa's been using so far. Van der Beek's been anonymous, you know, sort of bordering on underwhelming, you know, sort of in his time at Old Trafford, and you know maybe he's seen something you know so prior to his move there that you know he thinks he can utilise, but. I don't know. It looked a bit more like you know fitting the Davy Classen model for me that one, and I was a little bit surprised that you know he was interested in him. But I'll, I'll bow to his far superior, uh, you know, sort of tactical and footballing knowledge, uh, and you know he's presumably seen something there that he thought he could utilise. But yeah, you know, whereas Dwight McNeil is somebody that you know was quite a clear, you know, sort of obvious interest in that one. I was I was more surprised by this one, I have to say. So. Maybe the guys think some know differently, you know, so Adam or Gavin, but, you know, certainly, no, uh, I didn't see anything there that made me think that I was excited by the thought of him coming in. Okay, I'll, st- I'll stick with you now uh, as we okay. move on to talk about Hammers. Hammers is, is still at the football club. Uh, some talk of Middle East. I'm not entirely sure when the Middle East window stays open, so we need to check okay. that. Um, I don't if anybody knows off the top of their head, but Rafa did, did fleetingly mention some interest from the Middle East, but... Based on the assumption that he's here between now and January, how does James get back into Rafa Benitez's thoughts? I don't think he can, you know, just judging from what I've heard from the press conferences so far. I want him to, you know, because as I've said many times, you know, so I love him as a footballer uh, and he's the kind of player I think, you know, so Everton Football Club, you know, should be having in their starting lineup. Um, you know, he's got that 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 quality that, you know, so a little indescribable, something different that other players can't do. But that's at odds with what the manager wants to introduce at the moment, which is more about intensity rather than, you know, sort of fleeting moments of quality. Um, he wants to see, you know, sort of 100% commitments in training sessions and in matches. And you just get the impression from, you know, what you've seen on social media so far that Hammers is a little bit irked, you know, sort of the way he's being treated. And you get the impression he's maybe not the kind of person to think, right, you know, so I'm going to dig in and prove you wrong. He's a top-class, you know, sort of world-rated footballer. So you'll just think, well, you know, there's plenty of other big clubs out there that want to take me, you know, sort of off their hands. That wasn't the case on this occasion. But you're thinking maybe in January when clubs start getting a little bit, uh, you know, sort of jumpy and need to bring in somebody quickly to change things, that could be an opportunity for him. So, you know, in an ideal set of circumstances, I'd want to see him on the bench on Monday. I know he's not going to be uh, coming on for 20 minutes, half-hour cameos, you know, to try and open things up against tiring defences. And just excite the supporters because you know he excites me whenever I see whenever I've seen him. And I just think it's a real tragedy that you know so a full packed Goodison Park 
as an opportunity yes to you know so to, to relish his, his, his quality and to let him know you know so how appreciated he could be whether we ever get the opportunity to see that i don't know but i, I suspect we won't to be honest i mean i just i think he's going to have to do an awful lot to win the manager over and you get the impression at the moment that you know so he's not of a mindset to do that the manager's not of a mindset to have his mind changed and uh, i think we could be just like seeing you know, so is, is Emerson career petering out over the next few months, which I think is quite sad, really. But I've been wrong many times, and hopefully I'm very wrong on this one. So who knows? Gav, uh, I make it between now and the window opening in January. Currently, 17 matches. Of course, hopefully, progression in the League Cup would, would yeah. increase that number. So 17 matches between now and, and the window opening again. How many appearances will James make? Um Depends what train answering this, depends what sort of train of thought you've got. I'm with Benno. I don't think you'll see him make many, uh, to be honest with you. Um, when he says to me, it's, it's, I said before we came on air, as it were, that, that his tone appears to check to press conferences when James's name is, 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 is mentioned. He was asked, wasn't he, directors, he by the journalist of view, as James showing his commitment. You know, uh, to her, and the one thing Benitez didn't say was yes. <laughs> was he? he? He went on a, a long, you know, uh, a long explanation about how Hamas is not fit, how he needs to show commitment. He, he did say, didn't he, that the, 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 the one ray of light, he said, we will pick and choose his games or the right games for him, I think was the phrase that Benitez used, which indicates for all of them saying here that he won't play many. Maybe Rafa as pragmatic as ever. We'll play him in a few games. Uh, but that depends on, I think, the, the ball's in Hamas's uh, course here, isn't it, really? Uh, and mm. to show show commitment, intensity, you know, is one word that Rafa always has. Whether that's whether he wants to do that at the moment. I've been really disappointed with his professionalism, Hamas, over the last six months. He's been more uh, Samuel Essie, hasn't he, than Tim Cahill. Well, didn't uh, he say in the conference as well, which really stuck out for me, uh, he actually said he'd seen social media posts at the end of last season uh, from the player and from the fans. And it was almost like, you know, sort of those images of Hammers on the plane, you know, sort of shooting back to go on holiday whenever someone playing the final game of the season and registered with him. And it's almost yeah. like, you know, that, that planted, you know, sort of a seed of negativity in his mind straight away, which is only... Yeah, like, uh, and it's been other stuff since. I, I just, not going to happen, is it? But it was just the, the slight ray of light when he says, give with that, that throwaway phrase, you know. Um, and and I think not many, but I don't think he's going to, well, he's not fit enough to play 17. I mean, that was the other thing he says, said, didn't he? Just not fit. He needs to run, you know, train hard and run the game. So not many between If he plays more than five, I'll be a surprise. Mm, we may end up seeing more of Hammers on Twitch than we do on the pitch. Um <laughs> <laughs> That's too good for this pod. Sorry, can we delete that? I'm saving that for, for, for a uh, but, but Rafa speaking about picking and choosing James's games, surely you want as a manager playing Burnley at home, you know, one of the most organised, potentially stubborn defences in the division, don't tend to give much away. Just in case there's an insurance policy, it's, if it's nil-nil with 75 minutes gone, you want someone like Hammers on the bench, don't you? hundred percent, hundred percent, and I think that's probably what he meant by the by the fact that we are going to pick his pick and choose his games, uh, yeah, as 
as wisely as we possibly can because I think the lads are right. It's it's no, it, I don't think it's there's any real possibility of James Rodriguez now you know, turning things around and instantly becoming a first team player for Everton again. You know, starting week on week. Well, he was hardly doing that last season to be honest with the amount of little injuries that he got throughout the campaign. Obviously, but you know, I, I just don't think it's it's ever going to turn around in that in that sense for him. You know, Rafa Benitez made quite clear over the summer that. You know, he was he was open to letting him go. He kept making quite clear over the course of that press conference that the window in the Middle East was open, as you say. So, you know, it, it very much seems as if he wasn't ruling out the fact that Hammers could still leave, which is, you know, a little bit bizarre to me. But, you know, if he if he does stay, I think he, you're absolutely right. Games like this one where you're expecting that Burnley are going to have a very organised setup, aren't they? Two banks of four, you know, try and, try and break us down sort of mentality and, you know, consistently, I would say over the last few years, to be honest, Everton have tended to struggle against uh, sides like that because we've not really had a plan B to to break those kind of sides down if our plan A hasn't worked. Now, you'd expect, obviously, Rafa Benitez, with the way that we've started this season, he's probably going to go with the same plan A of that, you know, determined, you know, fast attacking football with the likes of Gray, Townsend, Iwobi. I probably wouldn't be shocked to see all of them start, to be honest. Uh, and try and break them down that way. But as you say, if it if it does get to like you know, 70 minutes and it's still nil-nil, perhaps the Burnley defence have tired a little bit by how much our attackers have given them a run around a bit. To be able to bring on somebody with the quality of James Rodriguez really is really is quite something, isn't it? And I think Benitez did hint at it as well. He said, you know, it, it is good that we've got, you know, somebody of the quality of James Rodriguez to, to call upon if we... If we do so, need to. So, I think that that does make it quite promising up until January, at least, that we've got ourselves a plan B. And in terms of Hammers as well, I think, you know, it, it, it might not be the the best way right to think of things, but he's going to want to get into the Colombia squad, isn't he, for the World Cup? He's he's not in the the Colombia squad at the minute. The Colombia manager saying he needs to be a five hundred percent for him to be recalled to the squad or something like that. Which, Easy, that isn't yeah, 100%. Yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> especially for Hammers with the way he's been over the last year or so. Yeah, so you know, he, he's going to be surely determined to get back into the Columbia squad for the World Cup, and that is going to have to uh, marry up with showing a bit of commitment for Everton over the, over the coming weeks and months if he's going to be staying here. So, you know, perhaps Everton will slightly benefit from, from that. And you know, as I say. To have to have Hammers as a plan B, there's nobody else really that we could use. Like if we were going to set up in a four-two-three-one, there's nobody else that we can really use as a number ten. Is there? Like he's got that. He's surely got that position locked down. So if he can prove that in on the training pitch to Benitez, then I'm sure there will be some games uh, over the course of the season that we'll probably see Hammers. But yeah, I agree with the lads. I don't think he's necessarily going to be a start in every game sort of player because yeah, I think we've. We've kind of moved on under Rafa, haven't we? To to a different sort of to a different sort of approach, which doesn't really suit Hammers, if we're all honest. Mm. And interestingly, just worth worth pointing out that when Burnley came to Goodison in March, it was when Hammers was injured. Who knows if he'd have played, how that game would have turned out. But Preno, just last one on Hammers. How does Rafa play it though? Because ultimately, Rafa wants to pick the right team to get the right results, and he would never pick Hammers just for the sake of it. 
But if he's keen to try and move, move Hammers on in January to potentially free up room in the wages to maybe go and bring somebody else in, he's got to play him a little bit, hasn't he? Otherwise, he's not in the shop window, so to speak, and he's not shown any match fitness to potential clubs looking at him. I, th- I think he's quite fortunate in that respect in that, you know, Hammers is a, a world superstar. So I don't think you need to shop window him as maybe you much with, you know, so other players. Uh, match fitness, yeah, that is going to be an issue. But, you know, I think depending on how desperate clubs become in January, they probably overlook that and allow him to try and find that match fitness, you know, so when he was playing for whoever it is that might take him. Um, it's the injury record, which is the problem, I suppose. So if he, he's not playing, you know, so regularly, at least he's not going to get injured and he'd be available in that respect. But no, I don't think that's in his favour, to be honest, in terms of getting, uh, you know, sort of games between now and January, because I think that the, you know, so his, his name's out there. People know that he's available. Um, he's such a, a world superstar, you know, so people are aware of him anyway. So, no, we probably won't be seeing him. Like, and to repeat, that is, like, frustrates me a little bit, because I'd love to, you know, so just see him out there for 20-minute, half-an-hour cameos, you know, turning it on, threading great passes through, uh, you know, a set-piece ability. And it's, it's just a bit sad, really, that we might not see that, but I totally understand why, you know, so the manager... Has uh, taken the route he has. You know, he's a very stubborn, very practical manager. And, you know, he wants certain qualities in his team that that player doesn't, you know, sort of possess at the moment. So I understand that. But it's a bit sad that the fans are going to be robbed of the opportunity to see, you know, somebody of his quality uh, turning it on just a couple of times between now and January. Mm, indeed. Okay, chaps, reach that time of the pod where we predict how things are going to go on Monday night. And Gav, you get to go first this week. Um, Everton v Burnley, 8 o'clock, Goodison, under the lights for the first time since January 2020 when Newcastle <laughs> snatched a draw. Um, how's it going to go? Oh, nightmare. Uh, say like Burnley, be obvious opponents. To give us a different challenge to the games you've had in the league so far this season where the, t- the opposition has tended to play a bit of football, mm. um, you know, and we've been able to capitalise on that, haven't we, um, through pace on the break. And um, you may not see that on Monday to the same degree. So it's going to be a different type of game. But I still think we've got, we've got confidence, haven't we? We've got organisation, patience, 2-0 uh, to Evan. 2-0, take that. Ad, how do you see it going? I can see this being pretty pretty tight affair, to be honest. Uh, it's, it's, so hard. it's so hard to predict. I know we've been playing a lot of good attacking football. Uh, over the course of the start of the season, but I just I do just think Burnley's organised sort of defence. It's going to leave less gaps, isn't it? I don't think they're going to be coming out at us as much as other teams have. So I'm going to go one nil to Everton, and I'll take that to be honest. Any sort of Absolute. win, I'd take two right. Absolutely, um, Preno. Well, I'm quite, uh, I'm quite pleased that both you have gone for a clean sheet. Um, <laughs> The only thing that concerns me about this is, you know, our set-piece defending, you know, which you know, certainly at Huddersfield wasn't the best. And the defensive setup is going to be interesting. Uh, does Michael Keane get another opportunity or is this a game for Ben Godfrey to come back in again in his preferred position, you know, so alongside Yerry Mina? Uh, because we, we will need, you know, strength and we'll need aerial presence because, as we know, Wooden Barnes are likely to be the front two. And, you know, that, that's what they do. They put themselves about and they get on the end of crosses. So, provided we can defend, you know, so those set pieces well, I'd, I'd be quite confident 
of getting the win. But you know, it is, yeah, you, no one ever batters Burnley real. You know, not no one ever batters Burnley, but you know, it's rare that they do get turned over. And already this season they've showed, you know, how stubborn they can be. So I think it could be one of those nights, you know, so where a couple of moments of inspiration uh will will decide it. But I'm I'm, I'm with Gavin on this one. I think we'll score a couple. I think it'll be two nil. Uh, two nil to the toffees. Uh, as it was on that famous night against Newcastle until the 93rd mm. minute. <laughs> yeah. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll I'll complete the the positivity. I think it'd be tight though. Like I'd, I think it'd be one 0 and I'm going to go for a, a rampaging Rondon off the bench, bullet header. <laughs> <laughs> but let's see. Uh, cracking, good stuff. Uh, oh, good. Uh, hope you both enjoy your evenings at, at respective gigs, Gavin Adam. I'll be uh, slogging my right. guts out with the 23s, just providing, you know, up, up, updates and service while you, you go and enjoy yourselves. Don't worry. You know, you, you just you just keep the away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll do that. Very good. No, excellent. Uh, thank you very much for your company. Chat's really good. Excellent, as always. And thank you very much for listening. Uh, well, of course, as I said, we'll be there tonight at Southport, but also we'll be there, more importantly, on Monday to hopefully see the Blues. Excellent. Unbeaten start under Rafa Benitez continue with hopefully a victory against Burnley. This has been the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.